Hi, Ben. Hey. Welcome in to the Day in Sports podcast. It is our great pleasure to indulge in your misfortune. Yeah. That your camping went awry. Oh, my camping did go awry. I'm, I'm always misfortunate. Or That's un- our fort. Another or unfortunate is my is treasure. It, is misfortunate a word or be unfortunate? Unfortunate. Experience misfortune? Yeah. Okay. Um, we've got more. Let's just, let's not argue about that. No. We've got more important things to get into. Watch the Chiefs. Eagles game, a lot of thoughts on that. My first thought was Alex Smith and Andy Reid replaced, what, Cornell and Matt Castle? Right. Virtually the roster is not that much different. So now they're 3-0. and They were 2-14 and last year. And it just, I think, goes to show how much leadership and stability at the top, coach, quarterback, really matters for an organization that has plenty of talent. It kind of reminds me of the Niners with Harbaugh um, when you look at kind of a nowhere franchise that had talent, then you come in, same quarterback, Alex Smith, just manage the game, which I know is a cliche, but that's exactly, he won't throw into coverage. He'll run for three yards and slide. He'll throw the ball away, and they punt and play defense, and their defense is really good. So I'm just really impressed by by the, the change at the top. Kind of makes you wonder also what's going on in, like, Philadelphia's front office that Andy Reid can struggle mightily there for a couple of years. Yeah. and then Or in the locker room. Immediately move to probably... Arguably the worst franchise in football, or one of the worst teams in football. Yeah. And just turn it around very coolly with a uh, free agent journeyman yeah. a little bit. It's worth a second round pick because it's only because it's a quarterback league. Mm-hmm. Um, He's a game manager. Yeah, but I was looking at it actually. I'm glad that we that we brought up Alex Smith because I wanted to see. I, like I literally throw out the first six or seven years of his career, which I know is a big throwout, but he had. A new coordinator every single one of those years. He was with some of the most limited limited offensive minds, Jimmy Ray, Mike Singletary. It was bad. I don't, I don't think a lot of guys could have succeeded there. Um, under Harbaugh, and now including his three games with the Chiefs, last three years, 22-5-1 record. That's pretty good. That's really good. 34 touchdowns in that time, um, 10 interceptions. 34 touchdowns over the course of 28 games. Yeah, I mean, so, not, he's not blowing it no, up. No, no, but... Over the course of, he's throwing a pick about every three and a half games. And only 11 fumbles in there, 64% completion. And over the last three years, his quarterback rating, 90.7, 104.1, which was third in the league until he got replaced by Kaepernick, and 92.1. So that's those are really good numbers. And he had five touchdowns, zero interceptions in his playoff starts. Only well, 3-0 really without getting Dwayne Bowe involved yeah. in the offense. At all. Yeah. I mean, he's been almost silent through three games. A lot of little flat routes to McCluster and Jamal Charles running the ball, but yeah, not a lot of... West Coast. It's that West Coast offense that Andy Reid likes. Yeah, they literally, I thought we were going to roll Alex Smith out on every play, like mid-second quarter, and I was like, guys, they're going to catch on to this. But eventually they went away from that and got into some other stuff. Um, And then I guess on the Eagles side of things, I think there's like... A group of people that want to be like Chip Kelly is the next Jim Harbaugh or the next Pete Carroll, the next God coming over from because there's a great mind. And the other side want to say it'll never work. And I think the truth is probably somewhere in between. Mm-hmm. But when I look at the Eagles, they need to stick to when they were running the read option and handing to McCoy 90% of the time, McCoy is gashing for yardage. And then Vic needs to just pull it down one out of every 10 read options and run with it and get out of bounds. He can't run 
you know, six or seven times a game. He needs to run two or three times a game just to keep the defense honest. And then they can also play pass out of that, and the protection is really good in the pocket. And the reads are simple, so you can go vertical to Deshaun Jackson, which is Vic's strong point as a passer. Simplify the read and just go deep with it. So I think they need to just simplify what they're doing a little bit more and cool cool it on some of the weird motions and stuff that they're doing. I think I think they'll be all right. I like the approach that Chip Kelly takes on the offensive side of the ball. Their defense is F-worded. Yeah. I mean, they're, especially like their secondary, they're allowing... They don't have any talent. No, there's nobody there. And, and they're a last... Uh, going into this game, they were 30th in the league in pass defense, like 720-some yards between two games, yeah. and now they're up to 970 almost. Yeah, and, and you know, they, this wasn't even their worst game. I mean, Alex is not uh, he's not a hashtag QB surgeon, but he's going to make the right throws at the he's right time. not Trent let's be no. honest. But he threw for 270-some yards, which is a high yardage total for him. You'll usually see him just over 200, so... Yeah, definitely right. The Eagles struggling on defense. I think that's going to take two years of drafting, yeah. and... People are going to blame Chip Kelly when it's just the defense. So I think the Eagles will be okay. The other thing I, I wanted to, to say uh, is Donovan McNabb was retired. His, his number was retired in Philly at halftime. And so I wanted to look at his numbers because he's kind of an inflammatory guy for the media. A lot of people really like him, will defend him no matter what he does. A lot of people think he was kind of a crybaby or a look-at-me guy. And so I wanted to just go objective and kind of block out my preconceived notions and look at his numbers. And I end up coming away with, with thinking that he's a Hall of Famer. Um, five NFC title game appearances. So doing rough math, you're one of the top four teams in the league five different times, you know. Um, so you get to that pinnacle often. Now, you know, obviously they don't get over the hump, but a lot of weird things can happen, fumbles, missed field goals, you're anxious for a game, whatever. He didn't. He didn't get there. And one Super Bowl loss when he had Terrell Owens for that one year, the only time he really ever had a receiver. Uh, and they went thirteen and three. Then Tio broke his leg and still had like 150 yards in the Super Bowl on half a leg. So, and they almost won that Super Bowl. And then I was looking at at actual numbers. I throw out his Vikings and Redskins. Can we agree to do that? Days. It's just two years of yeah. like starting half the game. And he's yeah. clearly washed up. So. Let's look at his prime career with the Eagles. 92 wins, 49 losses. That's Over the span of how many seasons? 11. 11 seasons. So okay. 10.4 wins per year, 65% winning percentage. Imagine that. So 10.4, 10 to 11 wins every single year for 11 years. Mm-hmm. That's damn hard to do. With yeah. not great receivers, defense was always good. Brian Westbrook was only there for part of it. And then his quarterback rating, 84, 86, 80, 104. That's when he had T.O. 85, 95, 90, 86, 93. And then he also ran over the course of that 11 years for uh, 3,200 yards and 28 touchdowns. So the guy, I mean, was one of the best running quarterbacks of his era. His altogether quarterback rating is right around an 87. Five times was in the final four and made it to the Super Bowl. No, he didn't get the ring, but I think with a little more help at receiver or tight end or running back, easily could have been a guy that had two Super Bowl rings. Do you think once he lost his legs that he was kind of dead in the water because he can't just stand in the pocket and be that guy? Yeah, but I think people will criticize that and say that, see, he was never a pocket passer all along, but I think his passing skills declined along with his legs. And so, you know, I think people are saying, look at him, he's a shell of himself when he can't run. But 
he ran for 3,200 yards and, and threw for 30,000. You know, okay. he was a passer. That, that, that's what he primarily did. And he was, he was a good athlete, but he wasn't Michael Vick. He wasn't as big as Dante Culpepper. He was a good running threat. But I, I did the math, and he had a rushing touchdown every five games over his career. So it wasn't like, it wasn't like that's what he primarily relied on. He, you know, and I don't think you can criticize guys just because they can also run. He could really throw. He was a 64% completion passer. He, he, he was a really good player. He got the ball on the field surprisingly well. Yeah, and a lot of times, like, Todd Pinkston and Freddie Mitchell. Yeah. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Freddie Mitchell. Like, those... Freddie Mitchell one time thanked God for making his hands so great. It's like, dude, you're the like one of the biggest busts the Eagles have ever drafted. Okay, well, I mean, I have, I got, I just to that was a smorgasbord of numbers. It was, it was, a, it's a lot to digest. It's like yeah. eating a big steak and just sits. I'll in your keep repeating. Them. Everyone really will dig that. Yeah, just yeah. keep throwing numbers in their faces yeah. until they cry. Yeah. Do a little segment on whip. So what do you now? My thing is, is it complete without a championship? Are there? Is there? Can you point to one guy in the Hall of Fame now who has a similar resume that is a Hall of Fame inductee? Um, I guess you'd say Dan Marino. Dan Marino was more prolific as a passer. I think McNabb might have been a higher percentage winner. And you look at Marino; he had Duper and Clayton. Um, he had a lot of talent. I mean, he was a better passer than McNabb over a longer period of time. He, well, I don't know. Eleven seasons with Philly, I would bet his run. With Miami, his actual prime run was pretty close to that, too. Um, and he made the Super Bowl in his second year and never got back. He was more prolific as a passer, but I think if you look at... If you're going to judge a quarterback on championships, um, then it's only fair to judge them on wins as well. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think winning percentage-wise, I would I would guess that McNabb was better than Marino or, or really close to that. So I think they brought different elements at different times. And I would, if I was starting a franchise, I would take Marino because of that, just that rare physical gift of a quick release and like the best arm in NFL history. But I don't think you can really take, I don't know what there is to do besides he say he doesn't have a ring, which he's one drive down the field away from. Mm-hmm. It, maybe if T.O.'s leg is intact, he wins that game by seven. Who knows? So I, I just think he did too much over too long a period of time at too high a level to say, it comes down to one drive, and I say no. How how much of a factor do you think playing in Philadelphia is? If you had played somewhere a little bit less aggressive fan wise, a little bit less critical, yeah, incendiary. Yeah, I because I mean, if he had played somewhere, say he put up those kind of numbers in San Diego or somewhere sexier, yeah. you know, I think he'd probably be almost a shoe in. But since he played in Philadelphia where there are a bunch of ingrates and yeah. malcontents, you know, I he, think that has a lot to do with it. And he got involved in controversies that only the media could, like, concoct when, like, the NAACP, the head of the NAACP in Philly said that he wasn't a true black quarterback or something because he wasn't scrambling enough or mm-hmm. maybe it was vice versa. But it was something to that effect. It was like, and then it becomes Donovan's fault that somebody else said something about him. And it's like, only in Philly, you know, yeah. like. You're right. If this is out in San Diego and he puts up these numbers, and he's a charismatic guy. Yeah, he but is. he's a bit weird now. Yeah. I think he lost a little bit. I think he's bitter about washing out at the end. But he was really, I mean, he was great with the media for a long time. I mean, he knew what he was doing on kind of all facets of the of the gemstone, as it were. But uh, I think what it really comes down to is in this era now with the kind of numbers that we're seeing... I just don't, I don't know if it happens. I mean, maybe, maybe the 
fourth try. That's I the mean, thing is it's maybe? almost impossible to quantify now because you can't look at like quarterback rating and yardage and stuff like that. I mean, Elway's career rating is something like 81 or something like that. I mean, you can't be in the league hardly if that's your rating nowadays. Mm-hmm. So you have to kind of take it in the context of the time that you're looking at, but also you have to give credit where credit's due and some of these quarterbacks and what they've done um, and what they're doing right now is, is pretty incredible. But I just think McNabb, um, and to that point, with the numbers shifting over the course of time, you know, the numbers can be a little bit deceiving, but he was an efficient passer, and he got his team right on the brink of a championship five different times. It's not easy to take 53 men, stay healthy, which they often didn't, you know, over the course of a decade, and get to the Final Four half of those years, basically. So I I think McNabb should be it. I think when it comes down to it, I mean, you really look at the process. If it's just, is he a Hall of Famer or not? And you look at the people who make those decisions and you wonder if they're going to have the insight to say, okay, this is when he was playing and the league was different at that point, maybe slightly. And he may, you know, he may have been a revolutionary as far as, uh, no, well, not, not really revolutionary, but, you know, he may have kind of provided a resurgence to the, the run and gun quarterback. You notice that happens though every 10 years is like, um, so, you get Michael Vick, right? And it's like, this guy's going to change everything. And then he ends up getting dinged up, and it's like, well, he could have, but he, he never stayed healthy. And then, you know, like Dante Culpepper, uh, huge arm, really mobile, a couple of knee injuries, though, and he was never that, like, sharp as a quarterback. Yeah. And he doesn't revolutionize the position. Then you get Kaepernick and Wilson and RG3, which seem like the strongest candidates to, to yeah. overtake the position. But now RG3's got a, a torn knee, um, obviously, Kaepernick and those guys can do it from the pocket, but I think you're seeing defenses like they always do in the NFL and always will adjust a little bit and be able to take some of that element away. I don't think you're ever going to see a quarterback, a thousand-yard rushing quarterback, do no. that more than once or twice in his career. Because I mean, I mean, RG three did 800 yards last year. He'll probably never touch that again. No, I don't think so. And. I, Watching him now, I'm not sure that he'll ever be the same again. I mean, maybe he kind of gets his stuff together and figures it out, but just that that kind of style of play or that style of play just isn't conducive to you know a career's a career's worth of success in the NFL. Yeah, so it's one of those things that people are going to want to make proclamations on on the mobile quarterback mm-hmm. and how much did they do from the pocket? How much was a factor of that they could run. I don't care. As long as they were effective to me, it all goes towards your candidacy, towards something like the Hall of Fame. And to me, I'd put McNabb in. I wanted to go, um, well, I wanted to go back on a point, but we'll get to it in our next segment here where we go over, uh, are you ready to do your top seven? Yeah. Okay. Got it all written down. Okay. Paper. So I gave you my top seven on last podcast. I'll run through it again quick. I don't know if I changed it because I wrote it fresh today, but I think it's the same. Mine's Seattle. One, two, Denver, three, San Francisco, four, Green Bay, five, Atlanta, six, the Chiefs, and seven, the Colts, with Trent Richardson. Interesting. I mean, you and I aren't too far off. Okay. I still like the Broncos overall, only because I can't convince myself that if Seattle and... I think you're downplaying Russell Wilson. I might be, but their offense just, it's not scoring that many points, even against, like, defenses. I mean, he only completed eight passes, you're right. I mean, yeah. the defense was and the story. San Francisco's defense is very good. Mm-hmm. We'll give them that credit. 
Um, but week one wasn't an impressive win, I didn't think, for Seattle. You know, defensively against um, the Panthers, the Panthers, a Carolina team that's that's physically gifted offensively, but not really production-driven or seemingly so. Can I do a sidebar real quick? Yeah. Because you mentioned the Panthers, and somebody I, I heard on, on radio or something today said that um, he was looking at quarterbacks, and you know, statistically the third year is really the year where their numbers settle and they are who they are. Mm-hmm. This is Cam Newton's third year now. It might be different for Kaepernick, who's only started 10 games, and right. Newton has started two yeah, seasons. Yeah, I mean, you got to go by starts. You have it, to. Yeah, is Cam Newton who he is right now? Because everyone wants to say this is a guy with look at the arm, look at the mobility, look at the strength, look at the charisma. But is this what it's going to be? I mean, eight and eight, maybe, or six and ten, probably this year, and five, you know, five and eleven, maybe. So is it on him? Is it what he's got the arm? He can make the throw. He's not always accurate, but I think he's got some character flaws. To be honest with you, I don't think. His yeah, work, I agree with that. I don't think his work ethic is where it needs to be. I mean, he he's gotten by on talent, talent alone for his entire life, and then he yeah. gets the NFL, and he's actually got to put the hours in. Yeah, entitled and, in Florida, yeah. stealing stuff, and Auburn you know, gets away with he's, whatever he's, he's getting He's not, with. he's not, you know, his work ethic is subpar, and that's going to, it shows. And I don't think there's even a choice for Cam Newton of whether or not to have yes-men surrounding him. I think that you, even to speak to Cam Newton, have to be a yes-man. It's like Daniel Snyder, there was a story that Redskins owner once fired an employee for riding the elevator with him. You know, ride the elevator with Snyder, you know. And yeah. when he's making decisions. Well, you also... I think Cam Newton's that same kind of guy. Like, don't touch. I'm not allowed to be touched yeah. unless I'm on the field. Don't, don't look. Don't make eye contact. Look yeah. the floor. Yeah, I got some sweet new kicks and a new rag that I'm going to pull out a little bit during the game. It's going to look cool. I think he's worried too much about, like, the packaging and what he yeah. looks like and his no, it, brand. It's, it's marketability. And you got Kaepernick, Wilson, and Luck. I know I keep harping on those names, but those guys are different. They want to win. They're mm-hmm. in the... It, it's film study. It's preparation. It's... They're not there all to this work. Other crap. Yeah. And if they're zero and two, they're not having fifteen minute press conferences. They're short, curt answers, and they're getting back to work. And they're not crybabies. No. He's a notorious crybaby. I He's took, a huge crybaby. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mean, I apologize. I took this on the sidebar, but I thought Cam. No, was I, I think, I think it's worth looking into. Um, so where are we at? Se- got, so I, I got, got Broncos Denver? one. Yeah, it's Seattle two. Seattle two. Um, Niners. I got the Niners still in three. I mean, that yeah. wasn't not a good. Lost to Seattle, but at the same time, there are ex- extenuating circumstances. circumstances at play. Yeah. Um, so, did you see that game? Did you see when they did? did uh, whoever the sideline reporter was did a really cool thing where she simulated the offensive line of the 49ers. Yeah, I liked that. And she and ran out shouting. to the mic. Yeah, so I like, saw that. From where Colin would be standing to a receiver, you couldn't hear a thing. And that wasn't even, that was like tight end almost. Yeah, like, and this was pretty that game. far. Yeah, this I mean, was, it was loud as sin. So, there's not a lot you can get done no. offensively there. San Francisco actually controlled the first quarter, was driving down for a touchdown. The ball, Colin needs one critique of Colin Kaepernick. Yes, I will have one for the year. He needs to put a little touch on the ball sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's not he's not it's not a full count, and he's throwing his it's not fastball. A, it's not about throwing the ball as hard as you can every, every down, single time because yeah. sometimes the receivers see they're like got to catch that. And yeah, that hurts. Yeah, so it bounces up. Ball gets picked off. And the 49ers defense, they gave up 29 points, but, I mean, they were working with a short field and no rest. Seahawks dominated time of possession. Mm-hmm. San Francisco's defense played well And they were, they were, I mean... Russell Wilson completed eight passes. Their, so they, def- their defense was on the field the entire time. Yeah, so what are they supposed to do? And I mean, how can you not like Richard Sherman smiling in the press conference? I, I hate him so much, I but I don't like, even want to go down that road because I'll just get so we worked up and we won't track do it. and... Um, 
upset. No, so so okay. We'll have to call my like psychiatrist in here, and we'll have to have a jam session about it. We go Richard Sherman. Yeah. Well, Broncos, Seattle Niners, one, two, three. Uh, I got the Falcons at four. Yeah. I think they kind of Stephen Jackson injured. Sean Weatherspoon, their best linebacker, out for maybe the season. I just don't think that. I, I mean, you I, don't I, care. They got the toys. They got, they got, they got them all. I mean, Julio Jones. Yeah. Is a freak. Yeah, they might score 40. I yeah. get what you're saying. I mean, and especially at home, they're pretty much unstoppable. Yeah, there's one of those. That's what I wanted to say about Seattle and Atlanta, but even more Seattle. Uh, they're going to go 8-0 at home, yeah. in my opinion. Unless some freak injury. Even, you know. Yeah, unless Russell Wilson goes down, they're going 8-0 at home. Mm-hmm. Even if Marshawn Lynch goes down, they've got two young stud running backs to replace him. Mm-hmm. The next guy up. They're so deep. So they're going 8-0 at home. They're too good not to go, I think, 500 on the road. Mm-hmm. And if you're 12-4, and four, the the road to the Super Bowl may well go to Seattle, and you're not winning there. I don't care how good the NFC is. I can't. Can you conceive of a team that could go to Seattle, who broke the Guinness Book of World Records for noise in week two, mm-hmm. and you're going there for the right to go to the Super Bowl? You might. No one might come out alive. No. I don't I don't want to go in well, there. Well, think about it this way. If they played, if it, if it had been that in situation last year, and Atlanta was playing in Seattle instead of the other way around. Seattle would have won that would have that been game. a BFing murder thong. Yeah, if <laughs> if Seattle if Seattle was home last year in the playoffs, I mean, it took them a while to get into the game against the Redskins, then they were kind of clearly better and RG three was hurt. If that had been at home, that could have been like a thirty to three deal, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Should have beat Atlanta if they were at home again. And then I don't think San Francisco goes into Seattle last year. With Kaepernick's inexperience, Justin Smith being injured, I, I don't. I think Seattle's in the Super Bowl if they're at home last year, and I think the same thing this year. But is their Achilles' heel going to be? They rely on that too heavily. They get to the Super Bowl and they're playing the best AFC team on a neutral in a field. neutral site. See, here's my. I'm glad you asked that because I was doing a little meditation earlier mm-hmm. and that came up. Mental gymnastics. Yeah, and I didn't push the thought out, but I brought it back in. Oh. Um. Here was my thought. The Super Bowl's in New York, so that's good for Seattle. Even though it's neutral field across the country, you got two weeks to adjust to the time and all yeah. that kind of stuff. The game will be played late in prime time. Got to meet a week. If the weather is bad, it's going to be more of a running defensive game. Name a team from the AFC that can slug it out with Seattle. None of them. The only team that you can name that can maybe slug it out with Seattle is San Francisco. Mm-hmm. That's in the NFC. Yeah. I can't name Houston. I like their front. J.J. Watt. Brian Cushing, mm-hmm. but on the offensive line, and I, I just don't think they're as physical. No, and, and they're not, I mean, Seattle is they don't have used the secondary to playing inclement either. weather. It rains constantly. Yeah. I mean, Houston have, plays in basically a, a big, uh, big, hot, little, dry area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just don't, I don't really see Houston coming no. through. Anywho. Um, but I wanted to talk also, I know we touched on the Chiefs, but I was looking at their defense. And this bears mentioning, especially referencing back to the Harbaugh first year with the Niners, is is comparable to Reed's first year with the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Listen to, to the defense they have. Tom Bahali, outside rusher, who's been an all-pro, was the 20th pick. Justin Houston, Holly's sort of bookend <clears throat> pass rusher, had four and a half sacks last night. He was a third-rounder who would have been a first-rounder, but he had character issues. It looks like he's figured those out. Uh, Derek Johnson, their middle linebackers, made the Pro Bowl last two, three years. He was the 15th overall pick out of Texas. Don Terry Poe, big man, 350, the guy that ran a 4-7 at the Combine, was ninth overall. He's coming into his own. Um, and then 
Brandon Flowers uh, was a, a early second round pick. He's turned into a Pro Bowl corner. Eric Berry was picked fifth overall. He had a return for a touchdown last night, an interception. Um, Sean Smith, uh, they brought in from Miami. He was a second round pick. He's playing at a Pro Bowl level. And even Tyson Jackson, who a lot of people thought was a bust, was picked third overall. And he played really well last night. So, like, their entire defense is either all pro, been to a Pro Bowl, or is a first or second round pick about to break out. So their defense is frightening. They may be the AFC team that's best equipped to hang in there with Denver. Denver. Or, or even, you know, on, on the NFC side, even Seattle and San Francisco yeah. with that defense. And, you know, Jamal Charles. Is, and two bookend tackles yeah. with, with taking Eric Fisher number one and keeping Brandon Albert. Yeah. Uh, if they get their tight ends at least Fizano healthy and Dwayne Bowe might be the only one of the few receivers that can physically push Richard Sherman back. Yeah. Um, and the thing about Alex Smith that's underrated is you look at, at all of his numbers, and they've been good over the last few years, but look at his time of possession numbers over like his last 25 or 6 starts. San Francisco wins time of possession and Kansas City now that they have him like 80% of the time when he plays in the game. And part of that is because... He wants to run the ball. He's going to complete short passes. If it's not there, they're going to punt. Win field position, force you to punt back, make it a field goal game if they have to. It's about mistake-free football. Yeah, but there's, there's a. I think Alex is a more artistic game manager than Christian Ponder. Yeah. Or you know some of these some of these other guys. I I even would put. I think Alex Smith is less talented than Andy Dalton. But right now, I would rather take Alex Smith because you get. Less mistakes. He's not going to lose you the game. No, and Andy might have slightly higher upside, but I'm not sure. I think well, he kind of is who he is. And I think he still takes more risks than you'd see Alex take. Yeah, I just don't think he's as smart. Well, I, I, run out, I run it out my top four with the Falcons at four. Uh, I got the Packers at five. I yeah. still think, even though the Bears are 2-0, and oh, they you know come from behind win against Minnesota. That was painful to watch. Could the Packers... Let's say it's good weather. I'm sorry, I'm going to keep harping yeah. on this. Could the Packers go into Seattle? Good weather, which is a lot to assume. Mm-hmm. And Aaron Rodgers catches fire, quick release, crowd can't get into it. Could the Packers be the one team that could go into Seattle and win? I don't know. If, if there's one strong, I mean, on a defense... Richard Sherman can't full, cover all those guys. No, he can't. You know, that's I, kind of the but, thing. But there's, they're deep. You know what I mean? I, I mean, Brandon Browner yeah. isn't even playing right Cam now. Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas. They're, they're stacked. They're stacked. I mean... And they've got pass rushers that are, like, they coming out of the woodwork. They took, they're going to come back healthy. They they took, arguably, one of the Vikings' best cornerbacks, or the Vikings' best cornerback over the last 10 years. Yeah. And a guy that's still functional, still tackles, and is still isn't going to embarrass you. Good and Antoine running. Winfield. And they couldn't find a place for him yeah. because they, they got so much depth at that position. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I, th- I, I mean, I think Richard Sherman gets a lot of attention, but I think Cam Chancellor is, they're all big physical guys. Earl Thomas just flies around. He's not huge, but he's yeah. fast. That's the thing about Seattle, though, that, that scares, I think should scare any team uh, that has a mobile quarterback. You saw it in the playoffs with RD3, and you've seen it twice with Seattle blowing out the Niners. They frustrate the mobile quarterback because they are just as fast mm-hmm. on that side of the ball. And Kaepernick... His feet were dancing, and he's rolling out of the pocket, and nobody's open. And that was every, it was something like 13 for 28 for 100-some yards. That was every play. So I think a guy like Peyton Manning, like you were saying, or Aaron Rodgers, has actually a better chance because you know they're going to hang in the pocket, Mm -hmm. and they're going to have the weapons, three, four guys, Mm -hmm. Decker, Welker, Thomas, you know, uh, or or, or Cobb and and Finley and Jordy Nelson and, and guys like that. 
they're going to have guys that can come open if they can get two, three, four seconds in the pocket. The one thing I do, I, I just, I don't see Green Bay's defense hanging with. No, you know, they Seattle's have offense isn't that good, but I mean, in say say it's a playoff, it's, okay. it's good. It's a ball control offense, good which is what it should be. Yeah, and I mean, they're gonna they have a good enough offensive line to line Marshawn up backs, and just yeah. just shove it down their throat. And maybe Harvin comes back and gives yeah. you that you know two punt returns for a touchdown in the playoffs that change everything. He may be when he's healthy and on the field, one of the most athletic people I've ever seen. In, yeah, in the open field. Who would you rather have to deal with, Adrian Peterson or Percy Harvin? I mean, that's an actual real question. Adrian, I would just run away from Adrian Peterson mm-hmm. and just run the other way because tackling him would hurt way more. Yeah, but actually trying to get your fingers on Peterson or Harvin, I think it would be easier to try to wrap up Adrian. Harvin's Harvin is tougher to tackle, especially in traffic for some reason. Like, yeah, you get people like bodies fight. It's funny you'd see this like these piles form. And bodies flying around and everything, he just, and he just squirts through. Yeah, so I don't know. I'm concerned as a fan of all things decent that Pete Carroll might win a Super Bowl, and I can see the path kind of developing. But, oh, one last thing I wanted to mention about the Chiefs, their, their schedule down the stretch is super easy. Mm-hmm. A lot of winnable games, a lot of winnable road and home games. I can't see any other ending, but I can't see less than 10-6. and six. I've got the Chiefs at 7 in the top 7 behind the Texans, just... You know, they're just cracking in. I want to see, I mean, it's you really still, more. but yeah. I want to see more. I think, um, the other teams that are, that are in that top seven, though, are, are perennial competitors. They're always kind yeah. of around the top of the teams league. Teams you expect. Yeah. And, and, you know, they're doing it again. So. Well, let's, um, give you a nice recap there. We're going to get into the Trent Richardson trade, mm. which had me all on Twitter. Mm, girl, treat yourself. And then I posted it on Twitter. Um, so we'll talk about that, kind of both sides of, of Cleveland. And Indianapolis. And then from the mailbag, we're going to talk about the prospects of an NFL team in London and kind of the whole idea there. So we'll get back into that on the day in sports, TDIS underscore humble brag in just a few. Welcome back into the podcast, The Day in Sports, T-D-I-S underscore Humblebrag. Find us on Facebook, The Day in Sports, or just do it the old-fashioned way and go to our website, yeah. thedayinsports.com. We are going to do some mailbag, quickfire, no-time-to-prepare questions that me and Ben will field rather adeptly. I think you'll be surprised at how quick on our feet we are. Diligently focused. Yeah, or horribly disappointed. We might just edit this part out. Insightful. Um, yeah. Revelatory. Is that is that yeah. a hair care product or a word? Revel, 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 Yeah. All right, Eric. Um, guest appearance by producer Eric, Whoa. aka Chocolate Sunset, Sunset, and Barry White. Um, first question. First question. Who is Adam Hawking? Um, I think I'm a Taurus. I am 26 years old currently unemployed, but I do not live with my parents. And chicks seem to dig it, you know. Got a brand new son, uh, two months old, Silas, and lovely wife, Amanda. And I I like to kick truth on podcasts. That's about it. Kick it. 
I like to think of people as word clouds, just like the more important yeah. the thing in their life. Yeah, bottom line. Yeah. So I'd say 49ers. Yeah. Football. Yep. Kid. Yep. Wife. Yeah. House. Well. Lives in a house. Lives in a, not a box outside. Yeah. Uh, Renaissance man. Yeah. Fair. That's very fair. fair. Renaissance man. Um, and for some reason, I just want to throw the word Danny DeVito in there, but I don't know why. I feel like you would like Danny DeVito. I do happen to love. One of my guilty pleasures is the movie Twins. Oh, yeah. Where Arnold comes from, like, Austria. Mm-hmm. But he was separated at birth from Danny DeVito. And the joke of the whole movie is they look different, but they're twins. Isn't that funny? And sure enough, it is for about two straight hours. <laughs> I watch that anytime it's on. Yeah, I, I literally might be one of my top ten movies of all time. A lot of good Arnie with a shirt off time. Yeah. And great, I mean, Danny DeVito in his kind of Hustling, angry, bustling, yeah, angry as best. Angry and drunk and a little bit falling around, rolling around like a circus imp. A little bit of a nefarious character. Yeah, yeah. All right, number two. Ben, how are you? How's your life going? It's going good. Unemployment's treating me well. Uh, <laughs> two for two. Two for two. Ding! Uh, I got a lot of free time. I do a lot of reading. Um, not a Clydesdale. I, I'm not a workhorse. If you're looking for someone who's just going to you know, pull you down the road, that's not me. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm, it's going good. Kind of settling in now into St. Paul, into a new house and everything, and... You know, it's taken a little bit of time, but I think uh, everything's good. Sit on the couch a lot, watch a lot of sports in it. Yeah. Yeah. Studying. Studying. For the podcast. That's what I tell Alicia. Yeah. Okay, now we'll get into some real sports. Um, as of right now, the NFC East is a collective 2-7. and seven, And both those wins came in, divi- in the division, so that means they're 0-5 against the rest of the NFL. Is the NFC East the worst division in football? Yes. I think, well, I... I think the evidence is too damning at this point to say otherwise. When you, the only two wins that you get as a division are in your division, and they haven't played, I don't think, overly difficult games. You know, um, the Chiefs have been a surprise good team, but I still think Dallas was in a position that they easily could have won that game. Um, yeah, they just look discombobulated from top to bottom, although the Eagles could turn it around maybe. Yeah, a lot of question marks. That's a. Okay, the way I have to approach it is, who's their competitor for worst division? So, you've got NFC North, no way, too good. NFC West is too good. It's got to be the AFC East, right? I'm trying to just go through. NFC South is better with the Falcons and the Saints. NFC East is bad. Mm-hmm. Um, AFC West after Denver? Yeah, I kind of like the Chiefs, though. Okay. I like... Um, AFC South? Uh, they've got... Colts and Texans, who I think are both teams that can compete. And that's just the East. East, and who else did I have in there? Um, AFC North. Yeah. No, AFC East. NFC and AFC East. Yeah, you know, only AFC North isn't looking The Patriots great. and the Dolphins are the two 2-0 two teams in the AFC East. I'm not really that impressed with that. No. Oh, I'm forced to make a judgment. I think the AFC East... Honestly, is kind of the worst division. I think NFC East is right behind it. Mm-hmm. And the thing that bothers me is the NFC East, no matter how it plays out, will get covered more than anything because you've got the New York media market, Philadelphia, Dallas, uh, D.C. You've got major markets with marquee stars like Michael Vick and Chip Kelly and Robert Griffin III and Tony Romo and Des Bryant. So there's a lot to watch, but the teams just aren't very good, and it's often that way. So you go, you're going to hear about it. 
Yeah, you're gonna you're, you're gonna hear you're gonna about hear how about good it. or not good they are, but I think they're the second worst division. I really do think that the AFC North could be a surprise awful division. Yeah, this the year. Steelers look bad. Steelers the look Browns bad. Browns are tanking. Might as well just stop now. Yeah. Uh, Cincinnati, if they don't really kind of gather themselves, could have a bad season. Yeah. And, uh, and, and questions arising about Andy Dalton. Yeah, and Baltimore. I mean, same thing. It, their defense. Looked terrible that first game against Denver, and we might be able to forgive them that, but they haven't really come out and convincingly beaten anyone. No, they beat the Browns, who are throwing in the towel. They eked it out, I yeah. think, against the Browns. So. Yeah. Okay, next. How good are the Steelers? Not good. 0-2. They've got Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, they had a nice little duo on the interior line with DeCastro and Pouncey, but DeCastro tore his knee and was out his rookie year, not Pouncey, tore something. Is me. He's gone. And he's gone for the year. So, offensive line is in shambles. They don't even have that nice little interior combo. Le'Veon Bell is out with an injury they don't have. Feature back. Who's their best receiver? Antonio Brown? Mm-hmm. That's not real good. Heath Miller's out. Defense is aging. Eee, I could see five wins, to be honest. Five, six wins. I was, I was, I think the Steelers are better on defense than people are giving them credit for. Ike Taylor pretty much he's shut, he pretty much shut down, um, the other night when they when the Steelers played, uh, Ike Taylor pretty much shut down A.J. Green. Palomalus looks back and healthy. 42-41 receiving yards. Yeah. Um, Ryan Clark can't he play, play in Denver, but, I mean, yeah. whatever. Other than that. Yeah, other than that, he's good. Yeah. Uh, I think their defense is going to be okay. Their offense looks terrible. Yeah. Um, that said, I did pick up uh, Felix Jones as a spot start for this week on my fantasy team. because. now? He is. He's going to be playing a, a starring be. role until Le'Veon Bell gets his until he gets act injured together. in the third quarter. Probably. Well, I, it would be Eddie Lacy, but he had one carry for ten yards and then apparently hit his head on the steps or something. Yeah, it's hard to know. Whatever. Um, next, okay. Steelers talk brings us into the next question. The Steelers play the Vikings next week in London. So, what are your thoughts on the whole NFL in London thing? Like putting franchise there? Uh, just well, that's not, not likely. So just. Having one game continually there playing year. there, I don't year. get it. If um, if you're gonna expand to that market, it makes sense to me. But I don't think it makes sense to expand to that market because the logistics are just too far away. I don't think the indigenous support from Londoners is there, um, and I don't think you'll have enough people traveling or transatlantic or whatever it is. Pacific, what is it? What ocean? Atlantic. All right, whatever. Let's see Atlantic. Atlantic. Had it the first time. Yeah, <laughs> I was on it. You're not, you're not going transatlantic to catch Jags Niners. At least I'm not. I watch that from home. So I don't, I don't know. I just don't think it works. And I just wish they would stop doing the one game a year because I just think it's a disadvantage for both teams. The only way they're going to sell it is if they get Michael Caine to do play-by-play yeah. for every single game. She was only 16 years old. <laughs> uh, it was third and 13. Yeah. We realized she's she off. was just 16 years old. <laughs> that now we sound like Connery. Yeah, I, I can't even do it. Uh, but... All seriousness, I, I just don't think people in the UK are ready for such an action-packed game. They want to be shithoused and see three or four goals over the course of, like, three hours so that, you know, they know what's going on. I, yeah. I just don't think that... That would be, be kind of like a team in England, like putting Manchester United here and being like, make tons of money. And Do like, it. We don't care about soccer, yeah. though. So. The MLS is oh, whatever, but... I, I know, I don't think, I guess I, I don't, I haven't really asked many, like, 
European people what their take is on American football, but I would guess it's probably pretty minimal, and most of the money that they the make, list. most of the money they make on those games has got to be rich U.S. citizens flying over there and spending a boatload just to see a game in London. I think it's Roger Goodell trying to do his like David Stern, I'm a Renaissance man of the world type move, like hey. I know how notice how Stern's real big in like China and Euro basketball is really influencing the NBA and I'm progr- I'm hip yeah. I'm with it. <laughs> what's the, I'm sure he sat down and he's like, what's the country we could play a game in that would be closest to the U.S. but isn't on this continent? Syria. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but they wouldn't let him in. So upcoming. Yeah. 2038 game in Syria. NFL Syria. Okay, this is a question I had after reading Ben's piece on Matt Castle. And it's something I've noticed living in Minnesota the past eight years. Mm-hmm. Why do so many Vikings fans hate the Vikings? <laughs> there, are, there are... Self-hating Vikings fans. There are six, count them, six good reasons for Vikings fans to hate the Vikings. I'm going to write these down. Four of them are all four Super Bowl losses. There's four. Okay. Uh, the fifth reason is 1998, and uh, Gary Anderson, only field goal he missed... All year was the one that would have sent them to the Super Bowl. Probably the best team. Would they have ever. won that Super Bowl though? In typical Vikings fashion, yes. they would have screwed that up. No, they would. I mean, no, I, they would have. Seen I think the I think Vikings they, denial. Oh no, no, that is that is problem one through six. No, but here's the thing: it's it's it's. There's no way they lose that game. Regardless, come on. Say they lose that game, that would have still been five either way. Uh, but six was 2009. There's no way that if they get out of uh, New Orleans with a win that they lose to Indianapolis in the Super Bowl. It just doesn't happen. Let me argue, let me counter-argue 2007 for the Packers ending at the hands of the old gunslinger but, as it has many times and I think 2003 in Philadelphia and they threw six picks against the Rams. Do You You can't count on the gunslinger and you should have known it for watching it for like 18 years. But here's the thing, was it, I don't even think it was his fault. I he think, threw a ball across his body. How many times did he get hit after the play and they didn't call it? You know, he got just destroyed in that game. They were just like, afterwards they were like, yeah, we really should have done something Brett about that. Brett does not have enough. <laughs> Brett doesn't have enough brain cells no. to have had a concussion. They would have won. So he they was fine. They would have won. They would have won. They, they, they were clearly the better team. And then the Saints went in there and rolled over Indy yeah. pretty hard. Yeah. In Minnesota, I think, would have done the same thing. Would have been a physically superior team. Oh, yeah. Well, jeez. Anyways. Uh, but th- those are the six reasons right there. And because, Only I mean, four. it's one of the... I mean, they've been around for a while. I mean, they're not the oldest franchise in the NFL, but they've been around they've since some time. 61, I think. Uh, and there's, there's, there's no trophy in the case. What would you do if they moved to Los Angeles? I would have been furious. Who would you root for? The 49ers? Well, I'd probably just wait for like the 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 sparks, the Minnesota whatever <laughs> NFL you know expansion team that they brought in five years yeah. later, like the NHL yeah. did. The Wild, the Lakes. I hate that name, by the way. I love the hockey. I hate that name. Okay. Um, yeah, I, it's just you, you fool me once, shame on you. Rape me eight times over the course of forty years. And I'm calling I'm, the police, and I really hate you. All right. Uh, what are your thoughts on Indomitian Sue? In particular, your thoughts on Sue as a dirty player? Um, I think Indomitian Sue is the most physically gifted defensive lineman that I've seen. Um, maybe I'm overlooking some people, but since Reggie White, like he looks like Reggie White to me because he's in that like six three six four three hundred pounds, but he could play end or tackle, and he can. 
throw you with one arm, but he needs to simmer the F down. Like, he, coming out of college, seemed like this articulate, like, well-spoken. Soft-spoken. Soft-spoken, reserved, like, gentle giant. And then he's stomping on people's nuts and their faces and, he needs to go to like anger management. He's clearly got. He some needs issues. to stop because he's going to ruin what could be a really good legacy. He's. I, I totally agree. I think he's like probably the most physically gifted defensive lineman in football. I, I'm almost certain that in a fight with ninety percent of anybody in the league, he would win, just for the crazy yeah factor. And he's stronger than almost everyone. Major fear factor. Uh, yeah, he's just got to get his stuff together. He could literally, if he could pull his head out of his butt and stop doing dumb. Shit. I'm just kind of tired of him because yeah. it's like the same story over and over and over again, and then it becomes like the same debate, and it's like you know, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna forgive it all because it's too exhausting to be like morally outraged at all the stupid stuff that he does. So I'm just trying to enjoy. I'm just gonna enjoy him as a player. Yeah, and that's all I can do. I kind of hope he does something really ridiculous, like sneaks a knife onto the field at some point, <laughs> like just the last, just last to Boy see Scout it. style. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, um, Adam wrote his take on it. It's up on the site right now, thedayinsports.com. But what are you guys' thoughts about the Trent Richardson trade? I I think it's great for Indy. Yeah. Cleveland is... highway robbery. Cleveland's continually, like, elbowing, accidentally bumping the self-destruct button with their elbow over yeah. and over again. I don't know. Trent Richardson was the third pick behind Luck and RG3. So he was the number three talent behind two of the generationally best talents we've seen out of the draft. He was number three. When I had a Luke Keekley who's in the Pro Bowl, when I had a Matt Khalil, who looks like a Pro Bowl left tackle. Three at running back. He averaged three and a half yards a carry uh, with Cleveland at 950 yards and 11 touchdowns, something like that. Uh, but he only since he only averaged three and a half yards a carry, I did a little math, and if, if that ticks up to like four and a half yards a carry, which is really reasonable given... Now he's on the Colts, there's a passing threat, there's other weapons. That's a 1,200-yard back in his rookie year if he's, I think, surrounded by better talent. so. And and we posted on the blog his Alabama highlights. That guy's a specimen. Mm-hmm. And he caught 50 balls last year, too. So he can do it all. And from Cleveland, here's what I'm really mad about, is like Cleveland apologists are saying that, well... What's the value of Richardson really and they're in rebuilding mode and this will add to their stockpile of picks so that they can go in a new direction. Richardson fits. He's 22. You took him third. Whatever pick you're getting back is probably at least 17 spots later than that. You're not going to get the same quality talent. And that was a strong draft that Richardson went in. You're not going to get the same quality talent. I know you need a quarterback, but that's probably going to be your first selection anyway because even if you keep Richardson, you probably go 3-13, and 4-12, and 12, and you can get Taj Boyd or Teddy Bridgewater. And keep the guy, because I, so this investment in the future thing, he was the future. And there's no system running backs. If you can run, you can run. So I don't under, I, I, I don't understand the decision. Running backs are like the, it's like the one position that you could just jump in the NFL and be amazing, mm-hmm. no matter, I mean, the, the, the but, it, but it's overrated to say they're a dime a dozen. Right. right. No, no, they're, they're certainly not. I mean, you look at, especially guys that can have success for more than a season or half a season, He's one of those, he's got the pedigree. I mean, look at him. Look where he came from. Look at what he did in college. Um, I really have to wonder if there's something else at play here. What's going on in Cleveland? Like, what's, he always said the right thing. He, you know, he never publicly. Maybe he wanted out. He might have. I can't see a scandal because I don't think the Colts make that deal if there's something, anything, you know, like performance enhancing drugs or anything like that. I can't see any foul play. 
I just think maybe the Browns thought we overdrafted this guy or whatever. And, and maybe they don't have the offensive line to support him. Yeah. And need, they need to go in a different direction. We need to get passers and offensive linemen. And I'm sure they're paying him a fair share. Yeah, well, and they would have had to pay him more as his contract came up. So I understand all the financial stuff, but you drafted the guy third and you gave him one season, basically, to prove it with no talent around him. Why Why make that type of investment for an unknown? At least you know this guy can be a bell cow back. And if you get talent around him, you know, like I was looking at... Um, Great quarterbacks who haven't had great running backs throughout history, like Favre, won Super Bowl in Green Bay, and that's it. And mm-hmm. He won three MVPs in a row, had a long run, but never had a great running back, and then he gets Adrian Peterson, and like you said, they should have gone to and probably won the Super Bowl. Yeah. Marino, never had a great running back. Gets to the Super Bowl once, never makes it back. Elway, what, 0-3 in Super Bowls until he finds Terrell Davis, and he wins two in a row. TD. And then on the other side of it, you look at, like, Barry Sanders never had a quarterback. Um, only made it as far as the NFC title game once. Uh, like Walter Payton, Gail Sayers, one Super Bowl between the two. Mm-hmm. Um, who else was I looking at? Um, uh, it's it's up on the look at Tom list. Brady. Yeah, I mean, there there's a big... yeah yeah I, I mentioned that they put Corey Dillon on the squad and they won the Super Bowl in two thousand five. Yeah. So the and then when you combine the great passer and the great runner. You get Troy Aikman and Emmett Smith. You get stuff like that, or you get Elway and Terrell Davis. And I think when you have a dominant Marshall back, Falk and Kurt, Kurt Warner, Warner. Yeah, yeah, that's a perfect example. You get dominant players in the ground game and the passer. Those two guys handle the ball probably the most. You have a chance to do a lot of things, and these were the number one and number three picks over the course of the next seven years. I expect them to produce, you know, at least a couple, probably Super Bowl appearances. Yeah, I mean, my God, if they. That was probably the only piece that was missing from Indy's offense was a a bell cow running back. Yeah, I they like got to rebuild the line a little bit. I think Richardson's. I think he's, especially for the rest of this year. I think he's going to have a really good year. Yeah, I mean he's playing. You know, it's an easy position to assimilate to. He's playing this Sunday against the Niners, so he's ready to go. Well, and, and as far as Indy's concerned, the way they look at it, I'm sure is like you know what's the what's the number on the pick and yeah. whatever it is. I mean, it's going to be probably. Towards 20, the end. 21, 22, yeah. let's say, worst case. So the way they look at it, hey, we just spent our 22nd overall pick for on Trent Richardson. Yeah, you know, for the third pick. Deal, and we just got to pay him what he's owed. And and we've got Andrew Luck, who is going, he's one of those, he's Peyton Manning. He can yeah. cover up so many weaknesses. Both horribly ugly men, too. Yeah, I mean, I give the edge to Luck, but they're both doofy. Yeah. I just like the hair. Well, Pey- Peyton's head is just, it seems to just be growing more bald. Yeah, he, he went better, he, he went with a straighter laced haircut on the last game that I saw, so he didn't look quite as much like a six-year-old. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I just I just look at Luck as a guy that's going to, you know, their they're offensive coordinator is from Stanford, and they pounded the ball there, they know how to run the ball. Andrew Luck is great in play action, so I think you're going to have defenses picking between do we defend on... Um, otherworldly type talent at running back or do we defend the highest rated passer to come out of the college ranks in 20 years mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's you've got a lot of talent right there in that backfield and then Reggie Wayne T.Y. Hilton Fleener Dwayne Allen on the outside it'll be interesting to see what uh, how this impacts the rest of the season for Indianapolis I, clearly yeah. they got the better of the deal so let me ask you this did you have Houston finishing ahead of Indy uh you know, in your preseason prediction, going through the whole deal. Yeah. No, I think um, I picked Indy to to, to come out of that on top of that division. I just think Luck's too good to lose to, the shoe. to not. You yeah. know. 
I think I picked the Texans. Picked Texans. But uh, knowing what I know now, if you started the season fresh with Richardson, if he had had training camp and yeah. everything like that, I would have picked the Colts. Well, in Houston's, I mean, they're just they they failed again to like add something that would be the the one thing to push them over the edge. You know like what I mean? New like, Cockpins. Yeah. I, look. I don't know. Nuke. Nuke. Didn't we, we debated that? Yeah, we, it's it nuke. is nuke. Yeah, okay, it's not it. newt. No, um, stupider than newt. And I think Arian Foster's on the decline. I, I, I agree think with you. I think he's you know he's going to get his touches or whatever. But yeah. Okay. Right. Mailbag. Next transition. question. Uh, Ryan Clady done for the year with a Liz Frank injury. Yeah, bottom of your foot, I think, or top of your foot. And it's where your toes connect to your main foot bone. I thought it was a vaginal injury. <laughs> that sounds pretty girly. Silly me. But how does that impact Denver? Um, Ryan Clady done for the year. Go. No, you go first. Okay. Uh, in my opinion, mm, okay. So you think Peyton Manning and you think he lost his left tackle. You're like, you know, this guy's going to put the ball up 45 times a game. That's a big deal. But Peyton is also going to diagnose the defense on every single snap, and he's going to run when the front is favorable. He's going to pass. Uh, when he's got extra protection on the left side, maybe a tight end left in a chip or a running back that he trusts in the backfield with him, he's going to make the right call, and he's going to get the ball out before someone comes near him. So I think the absence of Ryan Clady is going to hurt if Denver meets a team like the Texans, who's got a good pass rush, or meets a team like Seattle, who can press their receivers and also bring a pass rush. But I think against your average okey-doke, Raiders, Chargers, uh, those types of teams. I, I think Denver's still going to be able to rack up yardage and wins. I think I think they'll struggle more with the Chiefs because the Chiefs have a really good pass rush, and I think that makes the division race closer and more interesting. I agree. I, I think Peyton's always been a guy that has succeeded very well in getting rid of the ball quick, mm-hmm. um, quickly, and especially with a guy like Wes Welker playing in the slot, I mean, that gives him a, a safety valve, mm-hmm. and he's got a lot of options um, in the backfield as well. I was just looking up who Clady's uh, replacement's going to be, and that's Chris Clark. I don't yeah. know much about him. No, they said that he, uh, I was listening on the radio today, that he's performed well in some in some spot preseason duty, but it's pretty hard to judge from from that, but you would think that they'd groomed at least somebody competent to, to warm that spot in, in case Clady either was a contract holdout or went down with injury. Um, so, does it take a win away from Denver? Maybe. Yeah, I was know, just thinking maybe a win. all in all one win. Yeah. It, that's the difference. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So eleven or twelve wins still in my yeah. opinion. Or, or, or and by the time they, I mean, by the time they get to the playoffs, assuming that they keep playing the way that they are playing, he'll have probably seen enough action that he'll be serviceable. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. I I know they said he was out for the year, but with a Liz Frank, is it possible? If he's back by playoff time? No, he's on IR. Okay, Okay. so they can't legally bring him back. Yeah. Okay. All right, and that gets us away from football. Uh, Who do you guys like in the World Series? I am going to pick uh, the Dodgers to get there because I think Kershaw is the best pitcher going and can eat innings. And then offensively, you've got Hanley Ramirez, Matt Kemp getting healthy, Yasiel Puig. Uh, Adrian Gonzalez, I just think that they come at you in waves, they're athletic, they're fast on the base pads, and they've got that number one starter. Um, so I like them to get there, and I like them to meet the Tigers because, again, you've got Verlander, who hasn't been as good this year. Um, you've got, who is it, Scherzer, who's been a, a you know, 
Nazi yeah. since he was born. He's been <laughs> awesome. Yeah, he and uh, 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 Mengele. Um, but <laughs> um, but those that's a really good one-two punch. And then if you look in the middle of the order with Prince Fielder and, and Miguel Cabrera, I know there's nine slots you got to pitch to, but those are two pretty big spots in a seven-game playoff series or whatever it might be, five or seven-game playoff series. So and then you get the X factor in Torrey Hunter. Yeah, you can hit the ball in the park just out of nowhere. Yeah, so I will take the Dodgers over the Tigers. Interesting. Uh, I've been beating the Pittsburgh Pirates drum for a long time. I'm glad because they deserve it. They do. I really like the Pirates. I think that. You know, they're super talented. I think if they, you know, as long as they get into the postseason and play Pirates baseball, they should be okay. They have probably the deepest pitching staff in baseball, arguably. I mean, they they just pull these, like, talented pitchers out of their ears. I don't know where they keep getting them. Yeah. Um, they, maybe having the top pick for 35 straight years. <laughs> heard. Well, and then they take a guy like, like Liriano from Minnesota, where he was struggling for years, changes the angle of his delivery, and he's, you know, for a good stretch there uh, in the NL Cy Young conversation. So I, I think they've got a very deep pitching staff and, you know, talented guys on on their roster like Andrew McCutcheon, Starling Marte. Um, young, talented, fast guys, and I, I just like them. They don't know no better. They don't know no better. Uh, so we got Pirates coming I, out of the National League? I want the Pirates coming out of the National League, and I'm going to – Keep fanning the flames and and say that they're going to win the World Series and they're going to top the Boston Red Sox. Okay, I could definitely enjoy some Pittsburgh over Boston. Oh, wouldn't that stuff? be just the best World Series? Oh, I'm just, this might be a lot of it might be wishful thinking creeping in. That's all right, brain, I like it, but that's what I want. I don't know enough about baseball to really outlaw wishful thinking. Yeah, that's, that's what I that's what I base. That's where that's where I'd be. All right, in February we got Winter Olympics. What what are you looking forward to? Events? Anything? <laughs> Is there basketball at the Winter Olympics? There's not. Uh, so I'm not looking forward to that. I like track. I like the Summer Olympics better. Do they swim in winter? Nope, that's summer. Jesus. Uh, is there skating? There is a lot of yeah. skating. Yes, ice dancing. Ice dancing. Speed skating. I always felt in a different life as a better athlete, more attractive. I could have been a speed skater. I like I like the Winter Olympics a lot, actually, ever since I saw Cool Runnings. Yeah. Uh, I really do like... I like bobsledding. The uh, is that ninety percent because of Cool Runnings? I'd say it's ninety percent because of the the real possibility of a very gruesome high speed accident. Jerry Seinfeld called the luge the the only sport that people could win and do it involuntarily. Yeah, just take people off the street. You're in the luge <laughs> and just send them on their way. I like uh, yeah, I like the Winter Olympics. I like you know what else goes on. There's that one where they much. ski and then shoot and yeah. stuff. Oh yeah, biathlon. I always athlon. thought that I would have been, if in shape, that would have been my favorite. If in shape, because I would just like to ski around the beautiful mountains. I don't care about winning, and then shoot at things. Yeah, I wouldn't probably even shoot the targets. I'd probably shoot a deer. Yeah, I'm I'm more of a summer Olympic guy, but I, I usually watch some stuff. I mean, I just. What else happened? I really can't get it up for like the snowboarding or anything. Yeah, like no, it's too it's too X Games for me. Yeah. Any curling fans in the house? Oh, I yeah. left curling. I like, I do like curling, curling a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Probably probably the best event. Um, what else just go on? Hockey, of course. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I like hockey. Okay, and then what are we looking forward to in the upcoming NHL season? <sighs> nothing. Really? I've got nothing. Okay. Uh, who won it last year? The Blackhawks? Yes. If they won it again, what is that, three and four years? 
I'll say that's what I'm looking forward to. I like dynasties. Okay. I'm looking for. I'm actually looking forward to see what Minnesota does. Uh, they kind of eked into the playoffs last year after a, what looked like a promising start. They did the same Mike Yo go-to move of petering out at the end of the year, but they barely made it in the playoffs. They got, I think, one good win over Chicago in the opening round. I mean, they hung with Chicago for several of those games. Mm-hmm. They were close games. I, I mean, I think that they've got enough talent to do something in the Western Conference, at least, hopefully, maybe. Mm. What seed do you see them falling in? Minnesota? Yeah. If they make the playoffs? Yeah. Mm, I'd like to see them as a six or better, somewhere between a four and a six, but realistically, they're probably going to be a seven or an eight again. Didn't they bring in some pretty high-priced guys two years ago? Yes, Zach Parisi and... Uh, uh, Ryan, Ryan Suter. Suter, yeah. Okay. Okay. But they also they got rid of some guys in in the offseason. Cal Clutterbuck's gone. He's been a staple of the franchise for quite a while. Probably my favorite player over the last you know six years or whatever. Um, got rid of Devin Setaguchi. Sent him off to Winnipeg or something. Um, they brought in a couple guys. Matt Cook, bad boy of the NHL, supposedly trying to reform his image. Um, I, I think that they've made enough changes and they've got enough talent, hopefully, to do something. Maybe, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope. I gotta hope, hope, hope. Okay, okay. okay. Alright, uh, now we need some reality TV, celebrity gossip, whatever you got. Go. Okay, I've got two thoughts that are pretty definitive. The first thing I could think of is that Rob Kardashian looks really fat. Mm-hmm. Have you seen him? I've heard. I've He's heard doing like elastic shorts and long black t-shirt type stuff to cover it. And it's like, no man, we see... Um, and then the other thought immediately that I came up with, um, we need to have celebrity term limits. Just like politicians, that's a job that everyone wants to get paid to do nothing. Yeah, he looks fat, doesn't he? We're looking at a picture of Rob Kardashian. Just Google it. He is fat it's a sweat. Sin. It's a sweatsuit nightmare. But um, we need celeb term limits, especially for those people that don't contribute anything like Kardashians or Paris Hilton. Mm-hmm. Every, like, five years we should have an election and people should campaign of like why they should be famous and be allowed to do nothing and get paid millions of dollars because I'm a, I'm a big fan of let's not deny the lie let's not deny the truth let's admit it and regulate it right yeah these celebrities are making money and not doing like all Paris Hilton had to do was like be sexy and eat a Carl's Jr. burger as my son farts on my lap um, eat a Carl's Jr. burger like in a sexy fashion that's probably like a half million dollar I'll eat a Carl's Jr. burger I'd show my clam to anyone for. Very little money. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to pay me as yeah. long as it's public. Yeah. It's free publicity. So I think we should have celeb term limits and Rob Kardashian looks fat. Those are two poignant and astute observations, yeah. I'd say. Uh, I've been watching this. You know, I don't watch much reality TV shows, but uh, many, I should say. Uh, but I've been watching this new show that Alicia likes a lot, Below Deck. Have you heard of this? No. It's on Bravo. It's all these people. Does Tim Gunn host it? No, but I do like Tim Hello, Gunn. Hello, designers. Designers, be nice to Andre. <laughs> uh, no, they, it's all these young people that work on these like mega yachts as like stewards. Slaves. Yeah, so basically they're like put up with like really horrible rich people's crap. Yeah. And then they get naked and party. Hey. So, you know, I, I watched it a little bit. And they're all like engineering students that are trying to be like captains of boats and stuff. Yeah. So, was, uh, you know, I, I got sucked in a little bit. I liked it. So that's your reality TV nugget. That's my that's my little uh, guilty pleasure, I'd say. Any other observations from the world of reality TV? Reality TV. Um, not 
particularly. I still I still get it up for the challenge whenever it comes on. The road rules, road rules. Yeah, even though I, I don't think they've had a road rules season in 20 years. I've never been able to watch that. Oh, I just love it. They just bring back, you know, these, Pull these the dinosaurs. Yeah. The dinosaurs of reality TV come out to play, and I see watch. that should be term limited. Let me in and make some skrilla just for mm. hanging out on a bus. Yeah, getting too drunk and taking my shirt off, punching some guy. Yeah, then jump in the pool. Yeah, ratings yeah. went through the uh, roof. Yeah, I'm in. Pay me. All right, that's all. I think that's all we got on reality TV. All right, uh, this day in sports history. Uh, this is Friday, September twentieth. Okay. Uh, in 1973, Willie Mays announced that he would retire. To say, hey, kid. Yeah. Willie. What do you really say about Willie? That hasn't been said That already. hasn't been said. Say, hey. No, I don't know. He's a little, uh, I know a lot of people consider him the greatest baseball player that they've ever seen. A little before my time, though, so I can't fire off, like, uh, slugging percentage stats. I can, the only thing I can really relate him to is um, Wesley Snipes' character. Yeah. Yeah. Probably more important. In Major League. Culturally. Yeah. Willie yeah. Mays Hayes. Yeah. What do you say? Run like Mays, hit like Hayes. I don't know. I don't know. You know what's the line I don't know that line. Also in 1973, Billie Jean King beat Bobby Riggs in Battle of the Sexes. Stomping Billie Jean. Yep, and then Bobby Riggs jumps the net in order to try to preserve some sort of... <laughs> Prove that he's still athletic. <laughs> jump the net. She I can't do this. I can woman. do it. So, I don't know. That I think that whole incident was overblown, but it's like one of those things they can show with grainy footage and be like, this, this is what it was like, America, in 73... Women were playing men in tennis and for the right vote. <laughs> you know, I would, that happened like 50 years prior. I would have liked it more if there was like a really angry, drunken McEnroe involved. But, yeah. yeah. Just an abusive McEnroe or a Connors. Yeah. All right. In 1987, Walter Payton scored his 107th rushing touchdown to break NFL to break the NFL record held by Jim Brown. Walter Payton, I was watching like the Football Life NFL Network documentary, and it was kind of tragic because... Well, he died, um, but he only got the one ring, and he was so salty after that Super Bowl because the fridge took the ball in the end zone, and he didn't get the carry, and he was mad ever since. He felt like his shining moment of his first ballot Hall of Fame career kind of got stolen from him. I thought he was being a little ridiculous. You got him there, you went 15-1 and won, and won the Super Bowl 46-10. to 10. Do you really have to... Piss in the end zone after you get there. I mean, you know how. Maybe he was psychic and he knew that he wasn't long for this earth. Yeah, maybe, but he. I, th- I don't know. I thought it was an overreaction. But awesome player. If you ask, probably most current running backs who they modeled themselves after. Uh, at least guys that are old enough to have watched him will say Walter Payton. Sweetness. Yeah. Sweetness. Yeah. Sweetness. In 1998, Cal Ripken Jr. ended his streak, his record streak of playing in 2,632 games. He had played in every game since May 30th, 1982. I don't even have that long of a streak of getting out of bed on a daily basis. And somewhere in 2,600 days, somewhere, I decided I'm going to be in bed all day long and just mail it until tomorrow. I so heard, for him to play baseball that many games in a row is impressive. I heard like from a friend of mine that this is probably a complete farce that he made up, but he's an Orioles fan, so I kind of believed him, okay. um, that Cal Ripken... Like, caught his wife cheating on him with, like, <laughs> Kevin Costner or something, like, right yes. before a game was. No, this is true. And he almost missed the game. This is too good. Now. And then there was, like, a power outage that many people believe was, like, intentional just so Cal wouldn't miss the game. And the story, like, that's gotta be true. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just, uh, ever since that. Costner! What a dick. He found land. Whatever. 
Right out of Waterworld. You know, he tried to, like, buy up a bunch of land in South Dakota that he wanted to use as, like, this huge casino. But the state government gave him the no-no on it, so he ended up, like, making a buffalo preserve and then selling it to whoever would buy it. <laughs> Sounds like a Harrison Ford movie. Yeah. Other than that, I think, uh, where are we? Uh, we have one more question. Is Coming to America a top ten all-time comedy? Oh, that one caught uh, me off guard. All right, Big got, slap. Hold on, I gotta get back in position. I was betting down the infant. Yeah, don't say that to the, for the police. Don't get emotional, Silas. It's okay, he loves the podcast. He does love it. It's his favorite time of the day. Um, week. Okay. Is Coming to America a top ten all-time comedy? Okay, let me count the ways. <laughs> the, the Cherry Curl, Soul Glow, um... Good morning, neighbors! Hey, fuck you! Animal pelts. Yes! Yes! And the same to you, too! <laughs> Sexual chocolate! There's so many lines. And Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall play like 13 characters. I will say yes, it is. Only for the fact of the ingenuity that was used and the clever uh, McDonald's ribbing that they do. I really yeah. liked that. McDowell's. McDowell's, um, yeah. The tricked-out apartment, well, the ratty apartment that they start with in, like, Queens or whatever. Um, the homeless people that steal all of their clothes and then are trying to sell it back to them with, like, gold watches and, like, mink coats on. But the apartment where they get, like, the um, huge hot tub and, like, the really 80s-looking, like, TV and setup and neon sign and stuff, that's awesome. Um, the barbershop, Joe Frazier, 127 years old. <laughs> that's unbelievable. Um... The Brown Bomber. Now that was a boxer. I mean, there's just so many lines from it. There, are, it's it's good. I'd be top ten all time. Get your soul glow. There's so many comedy. I mean, top ten. Uh, I uh, yes, I want to say yes, but I don't. I don't feel conviction with it. Oh man, the royal penis is clean. That's hilarious too. Yeah, it's never ending. Eric, what are your thoughts? It's up there. It's up there. That's not definitive enough. Top fifteen. Top ten. It doesn't make my top 20. Oh, my. Well, you're a movie buff. I, I watch a lot of movies. Yeah, I've only seen like 17 movies, so top 10. Out top of 10. I didn't write down a top comedies? 10 list, so I didn't do it mathematically. And I, if I actually wrote it down, it'd probably end up somewhere like around 23. But there's so many just great lines and... Top 10 Eddie Murphy comedies, for sure. Well, yeah, because, like, Dr. Doolittle would be, like, number seven. He's got some good ones in there. Beverly Hills Cop 1, 2, and 3 would be, like, 3 through 6 on the list. Uh, number one is obviously Trading Places. I don't know. Beverly, the first Beverly Hills Cop, man. What? Better than Trading Places? It's great. Oh! Is Coming to America better than Trading Places? Nothing's better than Trading Places. <laughs> Ever. Winthorpe. What else you got? Anything? Uh, no, that's, I, I. That's the end of the mailbag. I think that's the end of the mailbag. That's the end of my. I, I just can't get. I would be terrible at running for office because I've already fizzled out that you guys don't agree with me coming to America. <laughs> I thought I'd laid down some well, sweet points. That's all I got. Sexual chocolate! <laughs> so I, thought I was going to get everyone on the bandwagon, but it didn't. And. Wow, so we didn't think we were going to have a podcast at all. Then I went rogue, did a solo podcast. Then we thought we'd have another one on Saturday. Today is actually Friday. I don't know when this will go up this evening or maybe tomorrow. Probably tomorrow. We'll see what it Okay. Sometime see... before never. Okay, yep, before then. And you'll see our NFL picks up. They're already up for, for this up. week. Yep. So check those out. 
Uh, check us out on Twitter, TDIS underscore Humblebrag on Facebook and thedayinsports.com. 